Well, good morning, everyone. Wow, what a crowd. It's gonna be a good day. Now, I'm excited that you are here. And for those of you who couldn't be here, those of you who are watching online, and as I was reminded this past week from literally all around the world, we do want you to know that we're honored that you would take time to join us here. And for some of you, maybe this is the very first time that you have ever attended Oak Hills Church. You're, you're new around here. I really hope that we have made you feel at home. Our hope is that this would be a place here at Oak Hills where you could connect to other people and to be able to explore faith, to be able to deepen your faith, to be able to, as we've said many times, to, to grow as we go. Because we all, all want to grow, we all want to mature, we're, we're all in process. We're all in process of becoming who we're going to be. That's not a, a religious thing, that's well, it's just a people thing. In fact, I heard one time we're all rough drafts of the people that we're still becoming. I like that, don't you? Rough drafts of the people that we are still becoming. But that, that begs the question, a very important question, who are we becoming? Who are we becoming? This is especially important for the follower of Jesus. Because you see, as followers of Jesus, we're not called to just believe in Jesus. James, the, the younger brother of Jesus, he once said, you, you believe in God? Good. But even the demons believe, and they shudder. Yes, we are called to believe, but we're also called to become, to become more like Jesus, to become Christ-like. We're in the fourth week of a series we are calling Overflow. We're asking the question, what difference would it make if believers of Jesus became filled with Jesus, so saturated with Jesus? I'm talking about his thoughts, saturated with his motives, his, his love, his spirit, so much so that we were filled with love from the Father that we just overflowed to those around us. What difference would it make? What difference would that make in our homes? What difference would that make in our, our churches? What difference would that make in our city, in our world? But we know that we have nothing to, to give in any of those places. We have nothing to give if we have not first what? You guys have been paying attention. Received. You, you can't give something that you haven't first received and you cannot receive if you are not connected to the source. Now we know the source is God. And one of the best ways to connect to the source is through prayer. So every week we have recited a prayer together, our overflow prayer. I wanna invite you to recite this with me now. Good Father, tell me my purpose, tell me your plan. Tell me the truth of who I really am. Give me your spirit to see as you see to know why I'm here and what my life means. Awaken our hearts, drench us in truth. We empty ourselves to be filled with you. Pour us out, Father, wherever we go so others drink deeply from your overflow. And all those who agreed with that said, amen, amen. amen. If you have your Bibles, turn them to Hebrews chapter 12. We're gonna be there in just a moment. Uh, the writer in Hebrews, he's writing to a, a group of people who are struggling. They have faced past persecution. 
They are currently under public opposition. I mean, these are, the, these are the people, both Jews and Gentiles, throughout the Mediterranean world, when this is being written, they are the ones who are considered the atheist. Why? Well, because they don't believe in the Greek and the Roman gods. And we know through the lens of history that the persecution that they're experiencing, especially in Rome, underneath the Emperor Nero, it's only increasing. It's only gonna get worse. They're struggling. And so the, the writer here knows that they need encouragement. You know, there are a lot of metaphors for life that we find in Scripture. Sometimes it might say that, that life is a test or life is a trust or, or life is a, a temporary assignment. But here the writer knows that these people need courage and encouragement. And so he chooses a metaphor for life that they would have been very familiar with and maybe you will be too. Let's begin reading in Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The metaphor of choice is a race. But not just any race. The, the writer wants to make sure that they and we know that this isn't just any race. This is an endurance race. Life is an endurance race. Think less a, a sprint and think more of a, a marathon. You guys do know how to tell whether someone has ran a marathon before, right? Give them five minutes and they'll tell you. <laughs> okay, we're about five minutes in, so I've had the opportunity to run a few of these endurance races. In fact, when our kids were younger, they kind of grew up around marathons, and I always enjoyed it. Uh, afterwards, they would always ask me, Dad, did you win? <laughs> no. Thanks for asking. I thought I was doing pretty good just to finish. I didn't win. But, but I've... One of my memories, uh, greatest memories running was, uh, I, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was about mile 16. And I, I was feeling really good. The, the training had gone really well, and I was right on track. I was looking at my watch. You know, every mile was just right there feeling good about myself. And about mile 16, an older gentleman ran up beside me. Okay, now I'm treading lightly here. Older gentleman. He was at least twice my age at the time. He was at least 70 years old or older. He runs up beside me at about mile 16, runs with me for about a mile, and then takes off and leaves me in his dust. <laughs> I couldn't think about the pain. I couldn't think about uh, how far I had to go. All I could think about was this guy who left me in his dust. And I'm thinking, I want to be like him when I grow up. I thought if, if he can do it, then I don't know, maybe I can too. You, you see what he did running away from me? He gave me a vision of what I could become. He gave me a vision of, of what could be. The writer here in Hebrews is doing the exact same thing for these people. He is giving them a vision of what could be. He's just finished a chapter, chapter 11, fully devoted to real people 
who had real struggles, who became people of, of real faith. And he's pointing to them, this great cloud of witnesses. He's saying, look, he, he knows that they need encouragement. So he's saying, look, look at them. You're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. If they can do it, then you can too. But he also wants to challenge them. He's also saying, if you want to run like they did, then you have to do what they did. And the writer goes on to give them advice that you would want to give any good runner. The first thing that we see is he's saying, run free. Run free. What did he say? He said, lay aside the weight and the sin that clings to you, the, the, the sin that, that traps you up, the, the, the sin that entangles you. Lay it aside. Last week we talked about the past. Sometimes it's the past that can be a weight that we drag around. Past hurts, shame, guilt, and we carry these things that we're not meant to carry, and they, and they can become weight that just slows us down, keeping us from becoming who we have been created to be. But we looked at Philippians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul was encouraging us, forget the past. Look, look forward to what lies ahead. Well, what lies ahead? The heavenly prize lies ahead. Strain forward to what lies ahead, the good things that God has for you. But if we're being honest this morning, and, and we are being honest, right? Yeah, let's, let's do that. If we're being honest, it's not always the past that weighs us down. Sometimes it's the everyday choices that we make right here in our present that becomes a weight around our neck, just dragging us down as we try to run. We want to run free. We want to become more like the people we were created to be. We want to become more Christ-like. But sometimes we hold on to things that eventually have a hold on us. I was sharing some of these thoughts with someone a few weeks ago, and they, they said, uh, you do know how to catch a monkey, right? I kind of had the same reaction you just did. I'm sitting here talking about the weight of sin, and they start talking about monkeys. I'm thinking I may need new mentors. He said, no, 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 you, you need to, to look this up. You need to know how to catch a monkey. Now, most of us live here in South Texas. We probably do not have monkeys running around in our backyard. If we do, they are very cold today. But some of you watching online, maybe you do. So if you do, I want you to try this and let me know if it works. But, but here's what they do to, to trap a monkey. You, you take a coconut or a gourd and you cut a hole out of the top. And, and what you do is you, you take something like a piece of fruit or maybe a banana, because monkeys like bananas, I guess, and you place it into the coconut. Now, eventually, uh, you, 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 you put this trap out there, you tie it to a tree, 
and you wait for Curious George to come along, and uh, eventually his curiosity will get the best of him, and he will reach his hand. See, the hole is made where he can get his open hand into the coconut, but then he grabs hold of the fruit, and he can't pull his hand out with a closed fist. A closed fist will not come out. Now, a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, I did some research on this to make sure it was a real thing. Apparently, this trap will only catch one kind of monkey. Only one kind. The kind that will not let go. All he has to do is let go and run free, but yet he holds on. He refuses to let go. Now, if we're being honest, are we still being honest? Good, good, okay. We've all had our hand in this trap at one point. You might say that we've all held on to something until it has a hold on us. But you think about this and you think, well, silly monkey, who, I mean, come on, who would release their freedom because they refuse to release a piece of fruit? But what if this wasn't a banana? What if this was my phone? Oh, now we're getting somewhere. You see, we've all had our hand. I mean, whatever we hold on to that we hold on to tighter than we hold on to Jesus becomes something that keeps us from becoming who we were created to become. And we hold on to this thing. We've all had our hand in this. It's something different for all of us. Maybe for some it's, it's anger. Maybe for some it's resentment or bitterness. Maybe for some, what we refuse to let go of is, is sex outside of marriage. Maybe it's prescription drugs, alcohol. Maybe it's, maybe it's busyness that we just refuse to let go of. Maybe it's people-pleasing. Maybe it's busyness. Maybe it's something good that we filled our calendars with, but we filled them up so much that well, we're holding on to it tighter than we're holding on to Jesus. You see, sometimes this, what we're holding on to is not just the, the bad things that we know we should avoid, the things that we think of as addictions, but sometimes, sometimes it's something good, and we're just holding on too tight. Work. Work is a good thing, but maybe you've become obsessed with the promotion Making money. Making money is a good thing, but maybe you've found yourself holding on too tight and you're hoarding more and you're giving less away. Maybe it's family. Focusing on family is a good thing. Amen? I was hoping I'd get some heads nodding on that. Focusing on our family is a good thing, but what if we have become so obsessed with projecting the image that we are the perfect mom, the perfect dad. Maybe we're holding on too tight. What if it's religion? What if religion has become something that, well, it's more about us than it is about Jesus? Maybe we're holding on too tight. 
Now you're gonna need more than a preacher to tell you whether you're holding on too tight. I can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only the Holy Spirit within you can convict you of whatever this may be. But I do know this, you were not meant to hold on to it. You were born to run. You were born to run free, but you were also born to run focused. The writer here in Hebrews, he's telling them, if you want to run like they did, then you have to do what they did. Well, what did they do? They ran focused on Jesus. They fixed their eyes on Jesus. They, They centered their life around him. Everything else was filtered through the person of Jesus Christ within them because they knew that that was the only way that they would ever experience real change in their life was from the inside out. From the inside out. I I love this paraphrase from Romans chapter 12, verse two. Listen to this. You'll be changed from the what? Inside out. You'll be changed from the inside out. God brings out the best in you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. You see, we have to be careful because when we're talking about things, we, the, especially these type things, we start to think about, well, we'll just, we'll just force it. We, we know we need to change, and so we'll just change from the outside in. Outside in does not work. Behavior modification, it, it, it does not last. I want to caution you if, if, you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, do not be a functional follower of Jesus. Okay, here's what, here's what I mean by that. You ever um, heard of a, a functional alcoholic? Maybe you lived with one. Maybe you are one. But it, to be a functional follower of Jesus is to say, I'm not going to let go of the weight that's holding me down. I'm not gonna let this go. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to minimize your ability to be able to see it. And so I, whatever this thing is, I, I try to hide it. So a functional follower of Jesus goes to a, a church service like anyone else and like anyone else, someone says, hey, how are you? And you go, hey, I'm, I'm great. I'm doing great, how are you? And someone says, what you got there? You go, what are you talking about? Oh, 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 that, that, that's nothing. No, nothing, nothing to see. No, I'm pretty sure that's something. Oh, no, 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 there's absolutely nothing here to see. Praise Praise Jesus. And so we try to hide this, but the people who really care about us continue to press. The ones who really care, they continue to ask. And we begin to become defensive about whatever this is, and we begin to push the people that love us away. Why do we do that? Because the closer they get, the harder it is for us to hide it. And so we push them away. Maybe someone comes into your life and they say, hey, I don't don't have all the answers, Um, but I know the one who does. 
I would love to introduce you to Jesus Christ. And maybe you're even in that place in your life where you go, well, I don't know about all that, but I'm willing to explore it. And so you're willing to explore faith and you, and you go with them, but you can only, only go so far in exploring faith because you're stuck, because you're holding on to whatever this is. You are stuck, but listen to me, you are not trapped. You are not trapped because though you may refuse to let go of whatever this is, God has refused to let go of you. He has refused to let go of you. Listen to this in Romans chapter five. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or listen to this from 1 Corinthians six. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't, don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, or who worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And some of you were once like that. Listen to this, this is the best part. But you, you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. If you have believed and trusted on the name of the Lord our God, if you have been baptized into his death, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? That means sin has no power on you. It has no power over you. Sin has no hold on you, so you no longer need to hold on to it. Listen, from 1 Corinthians 7, God has paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Don't be enslaved by the world. Uh, let's, let's look at this from another angle. I want to ask you this question. Whatever this is, why would you want to give this a place of honor in your life? Because let's be honest. Are we still being honest? Good, I'm glad. What has it done for you? It's, it's done nothing for you. It has done nothing but take life from you. Why honor it? When you can honor the one who has given life to you, who gave his life for you, why not honor him, the one who paid the highest price for you? He may be refusing to let go, but he refuses to let go of you. Sin doesn't have control over you. It doesn't have a hold on you. You don't need to hold on to it. You were born to run. You were born to run free. You were born to run focused so that you can run farther. So that you can run farther. In the next few weeks, I'm gonna have the opportunity to run with 
some of you and, and some of our great partners at Team World Vision. Maybe you remember back in the, in the fall when we talked a little bit about that. We're running to, to raise funds for clean water around the world, but it is, it's amazing to me how far people can go, how far people can run when they run together. It reminds me a little bit of the African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Quick story, I want to, I want to tell you just one last story about a, a, a marathon finish. It was, it was my favorite of all time because, uh, well, it was my fastest time ever. And uh, it was just a beautiful, gorgeous day in St. Louis. And um, the last three miles were the fastest miles in the entire race. You're just, you're just feeling good. And I'm coming across the finish line and I've got my hands raised in the air, my fist in the air, and I got this huge smile on my face. I know this because Alicia was at the finish line and she snapped a picture of it. What I didn't know at the time and only noticed later as I was looking at this picture was that as, as I was running across the finish line, I was running beside another runner and this runner was fainting. Mid-fall, I'm not even kidding you, mid-fall, just like this, and, and the, the medical team is reaching for her to catch her mid-fall. I mean, there I am, so victorious, <laughs> and so oblivious to the plight of my fellow runner. Now, it made for a pretty cool uh, finished photo. I'm sure she's okay but it's not a great picture of the church. Can I challenge you? Run your race with others. Find one other person, find a few people, join a group. Be a part of a, a group where you can dive deeper into the things that we're talking about. I mean, we, we can talk about these things, but until you have at least one person in your life that you can be honest with them about this, it's going to be nearly impossible to ever let go of it. This is a large church. But smaller groups allow us to be the church. Okay? It allows us to, to encourage each other. It, it allows us to care for one another, to look after one another. It allows us to see one another. So why not let's grow as we go with a little emphasis on the we. Connecting to the Spirit of Christ within you. Connecting to the Spirit of Christ within others around you. And the, the, the point is for us not just to be able to finish, but for us to be able to help each other finish the race. So if, if there's any of you here today and you feel a little bit like the, the writer in Hebrews, verse three says, uh, if you're weary or faint-hearted, if you're, if you're to the point where you just don't, you don't know if you're gonna be able to finish the race, you, you just kind of feel like giving up right now, would you be encouraged by this promise? For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison you were born to run you were born to run free you were born to run focused so that you can run 
farther. Do not be weighted down. Don't let anything weigh you down. Finish the race. Help others finish the race. And the only weight you will carry is the eternal weight of glory. My friends, that is the only weight worth holding on to. Amen? Amen. And so, Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that leads us to see the eternal weight of glory that we can empty ourselves of the past, empty ourselves of the present so that we don't have weight that holds us down. But Father, we want to become the people that you have created us to be. We want to become more like your son, more Christ-like. But we know that this has to be a job that's done from the inside out. So we welcome your spirit within us to change us, to fuel us, to the point of overflow. In Jesus' name we pray.